a sustainability that's no longer a nice to do with some mustard. Mm. It's it's transform it's transforming your industry, and and or and and people are making their buying decisions based on those practices, and it leads to a competitive advantage. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has built several uh, seven or startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today on the we have another great expert episode, and I'm excited to introduce Justin Goldst- or Goldston. And I was going to say Goldstein, and then I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. But Goldston, and uh, he is a what I'd say an expert on kind of sustainability and technology. And now sustainability has a lot of different meanings that you know can mean different things to different people, and we'll get into that a bit more. Um, but you know, it's going to be a fun episode where we can talk a little bit about how to make a sustainable business model, how to be you know uh, integrate t- technology, maybe bring in a little bit of you know other things on. Uh, um, with uh, you know how do you de- or decrease bottlenecks and how to increase workflow and supply chain and demand and all sorts of fun stuff so with that welcome on to the podcast justin hey thanks for having me so i gave kind of a, an introduction as to what we're going to be talking about but maybe before we dive into that um give me just a little bit of an introduction you know let people know kind of why you're an authority or you know why you're what why you know what you know what you're talking about <laughs> i am i am justin Golson. i am a professor of project and supply chain management at Penn State University. Um, we're here at, outside of outside of the research and working with startups and entrepreneurs. Um, we also work closely with with organizations on a emphasis on the triple bottom line, which is mm-hmm. the emphasis or focus on the people, planet, and profit, and how that can lead to a competitive advantage. And how that can lead to increased profitability. Um, traditional conventional thinking um, leads to okay, if I have a, a lot of investments into uh, healthcare for my employees, if I give them unlimited time off and things like that, you know, that's going to have a, de- a negative impact on my bottom line. But research has shown that that in the long term, that that uh, has a positive impact. And those organizations that that have that approach beat mm. their competitors year over year. Um, so that's one thing that we focus on, and that's one thing that we 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 demonstrate to to startups and entrepreneurs. Awesome. No, and I I think so. Now let's dive into it, just because you already started to uh, give an intro as to what you do. But you know, if I were to look at so sustainability, you know, at least in my mind, it can mean different things to different people, right? Mm-hmm. In the sense that you know, I can think of sustainability as hey, recycle. I can think of re- sustainability right. as go green and the Green New Deal and AOC and not getting into politics by any means. Or I can think of sustainability as more of how do I set my company up so that it will be sustainable or it will last for a long time, right? And they're mm-hmm. all different ways of being sustainable. One is more of a hey, I'm going to have an environmental impact. Another is how do I make you know more people focus and how one is more on the business plan so how do you just how do you define sustainability or what do you think sustainability means or means to you so i always always i ask professionals this i ask entrepreneurs this i ask i ask students this i say you know there are so the united nations created something they call the uh, sustainability development goals there are 17 different 
uh, sustainability development goals. And I show these SDGs to a number of people and I always say, pick out your top two, right? So for example, um, some of them are no poverty, no hunger, uh, health and well-being, quality education, gender equality, uh, clean water, uh, infrastructure and innovation, reduced inequalities, for example. So whenever I go through that and I have that discussion, everyone has everyone has different top twos. Mm. And I say that we all have to have top twos because if we all have the same, then there's going to be some of these development goals that are left out. Mm. So for my example, my top two are going to be innovation and education. Mm. Because my reasoning is that if I can educate people, if I can, if I can do my research, I can use technology, I can use innovation to handle the other SDGs. Right. Mm. So yeah. in my opinion, I can handle all SDGs just by just by addressing two. Right. Mm. So so and 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 that's I think that's very those SDGs and are my top two and and work with their workforce to say, okay, as a consensus, what are our top two sustainability development goals? Mm. And that's going to be that's going to be included within our mission, our vision of our organization. Mm. And if you focus on those SDGs, you're going to make a positive impact on the world. And you're going to again, you're going to have you're going to have that as a competitive advantage because organizations have seen that it's increased it's increased their their public image by doing good mm. right i mean if we look at the ikeas if you look at the unilevers if you look at the levi's mm. not as sustainable and organization or, or users or consumers essentially flock to those companies mm. and as we as we progress one thing I, one thing i discuss on a number on a number of of, of international conferences is that you know the, the 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 power, the buying power is shifting to the Gen Zs, it's shifting to the millennials. And those Gen Zs and millennials, they research the companies they buy from before they purchase from those companies. Hmm. They look to see, okay, what are, what are they what are they what are they doing for the communities? What are they doing for the environment? How are they giving back to the communities that have made them successful? Hmm. You know, so so that's that's very important. And another another important thing is that a lot of a lot of venture capitalists, a lot of lenders are adding sustainability within their risk evaluation. So now you you jump up almost or jump to that. So my question would be, or you know, a question I could hear other people asking would be, you know, the the typical reason why people haven't gone necessarily to sustainability, at least within you know, environmental, going green, giving back, those type of things, mm -hmm. is because it increases the cost to them and people aren't willing to pay for it. And that's always going to be the fear, right? Is now if I go and I go green, then I'll have, you know, or I go sustainable and whatever that means to them, but they're saying, hey, we incur an additional cost in order to be sustainable. And now we have a competitor that swoops in and says, okay, I'm just not going to go sustainable model. And now I don't have that cost. And now I can undercut you on the price. And so how do you, is it, you know, is it, it's, you know, technology driven. Now you can compete. So it's not more expensive and you do it via technology or is it more of people are willing to pay more and you just need to message it right? Or how do you kind of combat the the fear that this is going to cost me more and now I'm just going to compete or you know, I'm going to sustain myself out of the market, so to speak? 
So, so that's one thing that that's the one thing I get to a lot of a lot of leaders of, of or especially in small and medium enterprises because you've heard the term corporate social responsibility and 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 small and medium organizations and and startups you know mm-hmm. feel that you know they they hear CSR they hear corporate social responsibility so they think that okay only the big guys are doing this you know only big only the big guys can afford to be sustainable mm-hmm. right now way the the way in which I explain it is I say you've heard of lean right you've heard of Six Sigma correct mm-hmm. I said if you implement lean and Six Sigma practices you're taking a step into being sustainable because mm-hmm. you're reducing waste you're reducing wasteful processes you're reducing waste from an inventory perspective mm-hmm. so you're taking the first step also so you hit on technology I say that you've heard of going you've heard of cloud computing right correct I said that if you move your your processes to the cloud, that's a step into a sustainable process because now you're using less energy, mm. right? And and so so you you and if you demonstrate to startups to leaders that they're already on that path on that track, mm. then I go back and say, okay, why did you implement lean processes? Why did you implement cloud computing within your organization to save money? Mm. There you go. <laughs> you know, so so that's that, so that, so that's where that's where you can you can show that you know these sustainable processes leads to a positive impact, a positive impact on the bottom line of your organization. It leads to a positive impact on the on the planet. You know, it leads to it leads to it leads to greater well being for your workforce because you're making those jobs you're making those employees jobs easier. Mm. So you're hitting the triple bottom line just right there. Just by those two simple things that you that most companies are already doing, right? Mm. So, so if you if you continue to have naysayers, <laughs> mm. you know, there. So technology, technology is is the key is the key in that everything everything is on social media. And if you are demonstrating that that you have a focus on on uh, uh, on the well-being of of your employees, on the well-being of community of, of your community, on the well-being of the planet, mm-hmm. then you're going to get greater buy-in from consumers. Now, there have been a number, there have been a number of studies that there was one study of a thousand of a thousand respondents that said that consumers would switch brands mm. to an organization. That has sustainable practices. Mm. There was another study, totally different study, that said that ninety-two or it was ninety-two or ninety-three uh, percent of the respondents said they were boycott a brain that mm. was cited for unethical practices. Mm. So, so you you as a you as an entrepreneur, you you as a a, a startup organization. You can say there's a risk by not uh, implementing some of these sustainable practices. Now you don't have to you don't have to go green and have a have a, a green factory <laughs> that, that 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 operates on on solar on solar energy. But if you're make if you're making those steps, if you're able to demonstrate those steps, so let's let's dive into that just a bit. So let's say I'm a startup, right, or a small business, and I'm just getting started. I'm out, you know, been going for a year or two years. So, you know, relatively new, don't have a lot of money. And I'm looking and saying, you know, 
okay, you've sold me. I, I want to be sustainable. Now, how do I actually get going or how do I or start in on that? You know, what are some reasonable steps if you're a small business or a startup that you can start thinking about as sustainability or as you're or getting your company going that would be, you know, actionable steps that they could implement? I would say I would say the easiest actionable step is is that link. So first off, you you would have to you would have to create a sustainability roadmap. Right. And in my opinion, now I would say that I would say that the first step in that is to create that lean strategy, to create that lean thinking, to create that lean environment within your organization. And and that lean thinking within your organization, that lean culture Mm. will be focused on reducing wasteful activities. It will be focused on reducing waste from an inventory perspective. And, and if you have a focus on it, I am only going to provide value added activities. If mm-hmm. it does not provide value to my client, if it does not provide value to my workforce, if it does not mm-hmm. provide value to, to the planet, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you have that mindset, you're going to be, you're going to be cut. You're going to be cutting the fat out of the organization. Hmm. Right. So Jack Welch, Jack Welch popularized, I mean, lean, lean, lean and, and, and the Toyota production system and total quality management has been around for decades. Um, it, it was, it was, it was uh, uh, created in, in Japan, but Jack Welch brought, brought it over to, to the U.S. and popularized hmm. it within GE, you know, hmm. and he, and he, and he kind of made it mainstream from a leadership perspective. Hmm. Where where he kind of in a, in a way moved it out of the manufacturing realm and made it to a to a mindset, mm. you know. And, and again, if you if you if you try to, if you take it and you translate that you translate that mindset from the CEO of the century, <laughs> noted mm. by many people, right? And you translate that mindset to you know sustainability, then that's going to be the first step. And I think that. Go ahead. So I'm going to push a little bit. So let's give, if you're to give the top three actionable steps saying, Hey, if any startup should think, you know, maybe not all three of these fit you, but if you were to at least do one of these, I'd get you on the path. What would be those three steps? Step one is create that lean, create that lean culture. Mm. Okay. If Mm. you create that lean culture, then all of those processes I just rambled about, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> will fall, we'll fall into place, right? Mm. You're going to be able to remove. You're going to be able to remove that waste. You're going to be able to. Going to be able to create those value-added activities from your organization. Okay. The okay. second step, step one is create a lean culture. Got it. Now, what's my second step, or what's my second actionable tip? Second step. Second step is to expand. Expand that lean thinking outside of your four walls. Mm. So expand it out to your vendors. Expand it out to your customers. Because now, because because that sustain that sustainability, that reduction of waste goes outside of your organization, and that's where you're going to make that greater impact on on the planet, on the communities. Okay. So I, one is we've got the culture, and I said, okay, now we've got the culture, and two is we send or take it out to what would be our um, our vendors. Third one. Continuous transparent include transparency and continuous monitoring. Okay. So transparency, transparency means that I am publishing and I'm, I'm putting my lean processes and transparent to my customers and my vendors. Mm. 
Mm. And I'm continuously monitoring it to say, okay, how can I make this better? How can I make this better? How can I make this better? And I, I lay out those three steps because those three steps cost very little. Mm. It, okay, costs, no, I, it costs mm. you resources and time, <laughs> right? So, mm. so that's why I think that I think that those three steps are very important because it costs it costs very little and it does not take that long to implement. So now I'm going to jump shift complete gears because one of the other things we talked about and it's one. So, and I mentioned on the podcast before, so I, I did, I've got four degrees, which my wife always says is three degrees too many, but one of them I got was an, an MBA degree. And, you know, I thought it was interesting. One of the classes you take was more on, um, you know, workflows and how you identify the mm-hmm. bottlenecks and, you know, those type of things. So maybe we'll, for a couple minutes, let's shift the conversation just a little bit. And so now if we were to talk more about kind of supply chain and, you know, demand type of things, if you're to, because one of the things I always, you know, if you're a startup, you always have more things to do than time to do. And even as a big business, but especially as a startup, you always have more things. And so you never really get into, you're just running and trying to keep all the balls in the air and you're juggling and you never really focus on how do you actually make processes more efficient or get rid of inefficiencies or bottlenecks or anything else because you're just trying to keep up. So if you're to jump over to now kind of more of the supply chain type portion of it uh, and, you know, and the, and what would be, how do you start to identify bottlenecks? How do you start to figure out what is kind of that low hanging fruit that allows you to be more efficient as a business? So I think that, so whenever I was, I consulted with manufacturers and distributors for about 20 years. Mm. And, and whenever we, whenever we would go into an organization, one of the first steps we would do is to create process maps and value stream maps. So, so those, 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 the process maps are essentially the steps. So, and, and, and you do not create a process map for your entire organization, right? You create a process map for order to cash. So the time the order gets placed to the time that, that it gets picked to the time that, you know, it gets shipped out to the customer. Then you also include the invoicing process in some cases. Now, some organizations will keep that, 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 that accounting process and finance process separate. Um, but you know it, it depends on the organization. Uh, or you'll, or you would do it from the time that you place that purchase order to the time that you receive that 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 material and, and put it away. So mm-hmm. so you have those work streams, if you will, that you map out, and you do each one of those steps from a process map perspective. Now you take that additional step and you do a value stream map where you where you do a time study to say, okay, for this step. It takes this long to do to perform this process, mm. right? Now, between between step A to step B, it takes this long, mm. right? And then step B takes this long. Between step step B and step C, it takes this long, right? So you map out all of those times, and then you also would map out the percentage that that process is, is complete and accurate. Okay. Mm. Now, if you were to if you were to map out all that. Once you map out a process, so again, order to cash, you are going to see very quickly where your bottleneck is hmm. in seconds because it's going to say, man, it takes me an hour and a half to do that process. The whole process only takes three hours. <laughs> and maybe, you know? but then you get, and you say, maybe that hour and a half is that's the value that we drive into. And it's every worth, or you're saying, hey, that takes an hour and a half and that really doesn't give any value to the product. What can we do to adjust it? Yes. So I like that idea. Yeah, so the value stream mapping is very, very, very important. And, then, and another thing, 
doesn't cost you anything. It costs you costs you time and resources to map that out. And that that provides insight to so much invaluable information because you're mapping out that current state. And then you say, oh man, there's this bottleneck here, right? Now you say, okay, how do I eliminate that bottleneck? How do I reduce that time? How do I reduce the, the number of errors in that process? Now you create a future state map of that same exact process. Map is, is mapped out. You change the process. Now you monitor it. Hmm. And now you're reducing waste. Now you're saving money. <laughs> and everybody wants to save money. So now I'm going to go. So we're, we're reaching towards the end of the podcast, but I want to say, so if you were to give two questions and we'll hit on number one, you know, we talked a little bit about technology and that almost kind of goes everything. You could reduce bottlenecks via technology. You can increase sustainability very, with via technology and a whole bunch of things. But what would be the number one technology if you were to implement to say it would be helpful for startups or small businesses to look at or to implement any, any, any thoughts on a, a technology they should look at? So I would say, I would say that you have to, you have to, you have to assess your technology, your digital transformation maturity. And the reason why I say that is that you'll have you'll have startups that are working off of off of Excel. You'll have startups that are working off of QuickBooks. You'll have startups that are that have some some type of 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 uh, lower level ERP application, mm. right? So so the first step is to assess assess what your what your digital transformation maturity is, and to look at an enterprise application. Okay. Mm. You're not going to be able. You're not going to be able to survive with Excel forever. You're not going to be able to survive off of QuickBooks forever. Mm. I know a little bit about that. I wrote, I wrote a book on it. So <laughs> you're not going to be able. To, but you, so you have to. You have to. You have to. You know, plan plan for growth. Um, mm. As a, as a matter of fact, for those entrepreneurs that are looking for to be acquired, um, I went and I went into startups. I went into to smaller organizations that are implementing ERP systems to be mm. more appealing. To investors, to 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 uh, venture capitalists, mm. right? All right? So, so ERP, figure uh-huh. out what your technology maturity level is, and then identify kind of what's the next step in the maturity, or how you can or further evolve. So, last question I'm going to ask um, before we wrap up is: if you're to say the one thing that people are to take away, if they take away nothing else, if they only caught this 30 second clip of the podcast. What would be the one thing that to think about as far as sustainability, as far as um, supply chain, as far as delivery or anything else? What would be the one takeaway you'd want them to take? I would say sustainability is no longer a nice to do with some mustard. Hmm. It's it's, transform, it's transforming industry, and and or and and people are making their buying decisions based on those practices, and it leads to a competitive advantage. Hmm. All right. Hey, I think that's a, that's great advice. Well, as we wrap it up now, people want to, and you mentioned you've written a book. I know you, I think you've done a lot of different uh, seminars and speakers and you've done, you're all over the place and doing lots of stuff to promote uh, sustainability. People want to find out more about you. They want to reach out to you. They want to hire you as a speaker. They want to hire you as a consultant. They want to pick your brain. They want to read your book. They want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to connect up with you? Hopefully all the above, but the best way I can you can connect with me is, is gonna be on LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn often. I share I try to share my knowledge as much as possible, as many people as possible. And LinkedIn is the platform which I've I've found uh, mm. the best way to do that. So best way to reach me is on LinkedIn. 
All right. Well, I'll, uh, everybody certainly t- or check out. And I think it's just uh, LinkedIn and then it's just uh, Justin Goldston and you should be able to uh, yes, find Justin and uh, certainly connect up, find out more about sustainability, about how to make your company even a, a heads and tails above everybody else and how to get pre- or prepare it for the future and the present. So thank you again for coming on, Justin. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. Now, for all of you that are uh, listeners, and uh, if you uh, want to apply to be either you're an expert and want to share your knowledge or you just want to come on and tell your story, uh, feel free to go to inventivejourneyguest.com and always apply to be a guest on the podcast. If you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you can listen to or get a notification as all the new awesome episodes come out. And lastly, uh, if you ever need help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Thank you again, Justin. Appreciate coming on and sharing a little bit of knowledge. All right. Thanks for the opportunity. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of The Inventive Journey, make sure to go and check out Startups Magazine. They're an awesome uh, magazine and podcast centered over in the UK. And if the magazine is a digital and print magazine where they focus on um, tech startups and entrepreneurs, and they also have a focus on uh, female founders and women in tech. So if you want to check out their magazine, neither digital or print, it's uh, Startups Magazine, Startups with an S, magazine.co.uk. And you can also look at their podcast, which is called The Serial entrepreneur so go check them out they're awesome and definitely if you like this episode you'll like them